Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, April 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Governor Reeves addresses hospital bed needs ahead of the projected coronavirus peak. And uh, the headache was the worst headache I've ever had in my life, and it lasted, I bet it lasted seven days straight. A firsthand account from a COVID-19 patient. Then, after bite-sized tech, how to cope with extended proximity to family during the shelter-in-place order. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi officials are preparing for a surge of coronavirus patients by increasing the number of hospital beds in the state. Mississippi has 3,000 beds ready to treat coronavirus patients, but the state needs 400 more. Speaking at a Monday press conference, Governor Tate Reeves says the state has a hospital decompression plan to prepare the system for peak hospitalizations. We've ordered all elective procedures to stop. We've instructed everyone to stay away from the hospital unless it is critically necessary. The effects of that are already being felt throughout the system. There are places where healthcare workers are stretched thin and working tirelessly, but there are others where medical professionals are waiting in the wings for this surge. The time is coming. This is why we have been trying to reduce any unnecessary hospital use. We have an ICU reserve of 356 beds in Mississippi. Those are not included in the currently available number. They rely on hospital decompression, and they rely on the work of individual hospitals to surge forward. We are working with them to activate them now. As you saw the other day, we are also working with the Mississippi State Medical Association and other leading healthcare experts to develop a statewide COVID-19 system of care. 
Reeves predicts the state is less than two weeks away from its peak, which is projected for April 18th. Reeves announced a spoken hub system to create the needed beds that includes a modified site in North Mississippi and another at Camp Shelby in Hattiesburg. We need an acute care for patients who are experiencing severe symptoms. We need to treat them. Then we need to transfer them, perhaps, to a different facility so that the next patient can get the same level of quality care. We need transportation to make that process run smoothly. We will need staff because a bed on its own without the proper staff is useless. And we will need coordination within the system to ensure that everyone is operating from the same playbook. It tracks what those who spend a lot of time managing emergencies call the hub and spoke model. The acute care for people who with severe symptoms comes from our larger hospitals, those with large staffs, sophisticated technology, and ICU capacity. We are working with our smaller rural hospitals to develop contracts where they would be paid by the state to house COVID-19 patients who do not require that same level of treatment. They will serve patients who are through the period of needing acute care or have not yet reached that point. I can tell you that they are eager to get involved. We're also working to stand up alternate care sites. We cannot rely solely on our existing healthcare infrastructure. We are going above and beyond. These will serve a similar need as our smaller hospitals. We are working to identify a site in North Mississippi that could handle approximately 200 additional beds. We are closing in on that right now. We have identified a space in South Mississippi, Camp Shelby, which is a National Guard facility outside of Hattiesburg. In addition to the beds and personnel needed to handle the anticipated peak, personal protection equipment, or PPE, remains a high priority. Greg Michelle, executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, says shipments from MEMA are on their way to hospitals. The PPE continues to come in. We made some very robust uh, shipments out to our Tier 1 facilities uh, this weekend, uh, both on Saturday and on Sunday, and uh, we had some more stuff come in over the weekend, coming in today, and we're breaking that down. Uh, more shipments will go to the Tier 1 facilities today and then throughout this week, and then we also are getting another shipment that we were not expecting from the federal government that's rather large that consists of gowns, masks, and primary PP that we need. So we're getting the things in and getting it out as quickly as we can. The Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy this week through additional one-day collection sites. A site will be available at Traceway Park in Clinton tomorrow between 9 and 4. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 and feels they should be tested must first go through a free screening from a UMMC clinician through the C Spire Health UMMC Triage app. To stay current on the latest developments concerning the coronavirus in Mississippi, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up, a firsthand account from a COVID-19 patient. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, 
money.mpbonline.org or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. J.J. Plummer, Jackson Metro resident and head coach of the Richland Ranger football team, didn't think much of the lunch he shared with his son at the Jackson airport before the younger Plummer left for military training in early March. It was spring break and the airport was crowded. Days later, he felt the first symptoms of what would turn out to be COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. In part one of his conversation with MPB's Michael Guidry, Plummer describes the toll the virus took on his body and how he eventually got the news he tested positive. I sent my son off to the military at uh, Fort Scott, South Carolina at the uh, Jackson Airport. So uh, I went to the airport. There was a lot of people there. We ate lunch there together. Um, So, you know, there's a possibility I could have caught it there. Um, That was around March 9th. We were on the tail end of spring break. Uh, I, I went crappie fishing. I was out in my boat. It was a good day. Uh, I come back in on the boat ramp, getting ready to uh, go get my vehicle, and I noticed that uh, I had a deep headache in the back of my eyes. Uh, When I got off on the boat ramp, my legs didn't feel right, my hips didn't feel right. Uh, So, you know, um, I went home, um, felt very fatigued. Uh, The headache was the worst headache I've ever had in my life, and it lasted I bet it lasted for seven days straight. Um, it was, uh, and it would not go away. Uh, the pain in my hips and legs um, got worse. Um, there, there were a couple of nights that I woke up at like two in the morning with the, uh, I was just freezing cold. Um, so finally I went to a always trust care clinic down the road on old Fannin road and uh, got, got tested um, to see what was going on. It was negative for the flu, but it was positive for a virus. But uh, the doctor didn't think I had the COVID-19 because I wasn't running fever and didn't have a call for shortness of breath. Uh, lo and behold, I go home, and that night, around midnight, um, my, my fever had spiked to 102.7. Uh, I developed an awful cough, still got it. Uh, the, the breathing got very difficult. Um, I immediately called my doctor that morning. He told me to meet him in the parking lot. Met him in the parking lot. They put the the sticks up my nose and told me to go back home. And, of course, nothing changed for three days. They called me on that Friday and said that I was COVID-19 positive. Uh, To go check in to the hospital at St. Dominic's because since I had had it for probably 10 or more days that I could have pneumonia. You said you were at that airport around the 9th, and then uh, you went fishing and everything. When, when was the first time you went and uh, and got your initial test? Do you remember? Uh, probably about six days after March the 9th, so I'd say March 15th. Okay. All right, so you, you met with the doctor in the parking lot, got your swab, got tested. Um, you were told to report to St. Dominic. The, what happened from there? Uh, when I went to St. Dominic, they uh, gave me a chest x-ray, and uh, – Doctor came back in and said, get ready to stay for a while. You got pneumonia. And, uh, you know, next door there was some kind of religious sermon, something going on next door. I heard some family crying, and, and I heard some, some religious music. And it, it I don't know if it was the death. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it was somebody, you know, dying of this stuff or had it terribly. But uh, 
it scared the fire to me and then then they took me upstairs and they they stuck me several times and put all kinds of stuff on me and then they they gave me the hydroxychloroquine and that that's when a couple hours later i started feeling much better uh my cough continued to get worse but the doctor said that was that was going to happen which it still has is gotten worse to this day uh they kept checking my oxygen level and they told me you know if my oxygen level got too low they were going to put me on a ventilator and i had already heard before i even tested positive that uh, one of my best friends down in florida um had a real good friend around my age that that passed away with of the COVID 19 and she got put on the ventilator and then another one of my best friends that lives in shreveport um her best friend was a nurse and she was in icu and in critical condition on a ventilator and she was my age so when i heard ventilator and i heard the doctors telling me it's possibly i could go to the vent i said uh, I said, you know, I was determined. I, I, I said, I, I can't get put on a ventilator. This hydroxy's got to come through for me. How, how long have you been released from St. Dominic's? So I, I've been out of the hospital now, I guess, for about, what, six days? Um, five or six days. Yeah, there, there's been nights to where uh, uh, I, I, I get chills that come back, and, and I had a, the headache come back in the back of my eyes again. About two nights ago, the shortness of breath came back about three nights ago. So there's been a couple of scares that's happened. Um, I felt really good yesterday because I still had the hydroxy medicine. Today, I definitely can tell that I'm off of the hydroxy. Uh, I feel a little more, you know, sickish, sluggish today uh, compared to yesterday. J.J. Plummer is the head coach of the Richland High School football team and a COVID-19 survivor. Hydroxychloroquine, the drug treatment Plummer credits for his ability to recover from COVID-19, is at the center of a national debate. President Trump has often promoted the drug during press briefings, despite doubt from top scientists about its effectiveness due to a lack of clinical trials. Hydroxychloroquine, initially a malaria drug, is used to treat lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis in part two of our conversation i think i took some bad some bad hits from it and and uh, you don't want this you don't want any part of this that's tomorrow coming up after bite-sized tech how to cope with extended proximity to family during the shelter in place order this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio this is mpb think radio mississippi is our mission A game based on a global virus outbreak gets an update. NASCAR is going to get their laps in, even if they're virtual. Sling TV is keeping you connected to the world through television for free. And Airbnb is rolling out the carpet for coronavirus responders. I'm Jay White, and here's this week's Bite Size Tech. 
Airbnb has created a new program to help provide housing for first responders of the coronavirus outbreak. Airbnb property owners are being asked to donate rental opportunities to the responders and to do so without reimbursement from the company and at the cost of keeping up with the current strenuous cleaning standards. First responders could be looking for a place to stay away from their hometown while working or more often the case in their hometowns as a place to self-quarantine away from families. The company's goal is to offer free lodging to 100,000 workers within six hours of the announcement, 12,000 hosts had offered up their properties for COVID-19 responders. Airbnb is also soliciting donations to its Open Doors Fund, which will distribute contributions to partner organizations including the Red Cross, the International Medical Corps, and the International Rescue Committee. Streaming TV distributor Sling TV has started an initiative it's calling Stay In and Sling. The free experience is available through downloading the Sling app on Roku, Amazon, or Android devices, or by going to Sling.com on a Google Chrome, iOS, Safari, or Microsoft Edge browser. The deal was initially struck between Sling and Fox to watch Fox News Channel and local Fox Network affiliates in 18 major U.S. markets for free, but since then, many networks are jumping in on the goodwill. Currently, you can watch Nat Geo Wild, the Game Show Network, Dance TV, Hallmark Channel, FX Movie Channel, and CNBC, among more, for free through at least mid-April. Stock car racing giant NASCAR hosted a pro-inventational virtual race March 22nd. The racing circuit, which like every other major sports league is indefinitely suspended, held a 100-lap race on the video game iRacing. The race featured retired former champions such as Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Bobby Labonte, as well as many current top stars like Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, and Mississippi native Ricky Stenhouse Jr. The virtual race was broadcast on Fox and called by the regular broadcasting crew, including former champion Jeff Gordon, and the race drew an estimated audience of 900,000 viewers. Finally, the Self-Awareness Award of the Week goes to the developers of the hit mobile app game Plague Incorporated, or Plague Inc. The game's basic concept is that you play as a disease with the endgame goal of wiping out humanity. The game's creator, James Vaughn, said, Eight years ago, I never imagined the real world would come to resemble the game of Plague Inc. or that so many people would be using the game to get through an actual pandemic. Vaughn and his company, Endemic Creations, have quite the PR issue on their hands, and they've responded proactively. First, they don't donated $250,000 to COVID-19 relief, and now they've begun to tinker with their hit game to make it a little more sensitive to the times. Endemic is adding a new mode to Plague, Inc., where the object will be to stop an outbreak. The new mode came out of donation discussions between Endemic, the World Health Organization, and the Coalition of Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. In the new mode, players will balance disease progression, healthcare systems, and the public's response, including social distancing. The update will be free for all players during the pandemic and is currently still in development. For more tech news, fixes, insight, and more, listen to MPB's Everyday Tech. The show is on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the MPB Public Media app, free in the iTunes and Google Play stores. And the show airs live Wednesday mornings at 10, right here on MPB Think Radio. You probably know someone whose job has been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Someone who's lost their job or had their hours reduced. On the next Money Talks, we'll have the Executive Director and the Director for Unemployment Insurance from the Mississippi Department of Employment Security as guests. Email your questions to money at mpbonline.org. Listen at 9 a.m. after Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio to Money Talks.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Many Mississippians are spending longer hours at home together as a result of social distancing measures, and that's expected to linger well into spring with the governor's shelter-in-place order and continued precautions. Dr. Molly Clark is a psychologist with the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She shares some advice on how families can cope with this new, long-lasting proximity. Well, anytime that you have increased um, presence with, with individuals that maybe you haven't had that much uh, time with in the past and in our lives, we have these outlets that we have, and we haven't typically thought about our work or our jobs as being an outlet, but that, that sometimes is, and, and the school activities and those things are outlets. Now we find that folks are sort of staying put in their home. So what do you do with that excess energy that you have? And so finding some appropriate ways to, to manage that can be important, whether it's, uh, you know, going outside for some sort of physical activity if you have the space. It may be having some space inside your home for some physical activity. This may mean that, um, you know, you may schedule family time like you normally would or that you would schedule time for the for the kids to engage in uh, reading or other activities that they would normally do uh, during the day. But I, I do think that space and having some private time, even though we are together, is important as well. On top of the closeness and maybe irritation as a result is this anxiety or even fear regarding the virus and how that might mix with the environment in the home. How are people um, coping with that or, or how can they cope with that? It's interesting that you say that. We um, we are doing something today uh, related to uncertainty and how to cope with uncertainty. And, you know, I think one of those things is to, you know, you want to use media and social media appropriately, uh, whether that be setting a limit for yourself and being mindful of how much time uh, you spend on social media because you can get inundated with all of the information. The other thing related to that is, you know, you can only focusing on on the things that you can control uh, in uncertain times, and and there may be some things that you you want to use your time better to focus on, um, creating a schedule, creating some sense of organization, and and other ways to you know engage your time, because there are some things that we absolutely can't control, and that that is anxiety provoking. I've read, and, and who knows whether any of this is true, but and you can tell me, I've read that some couples are splitting up because they've already spent too much time together and have found they don't particularly like each other. You know, you know, and that that to me, it's definitely one of those things where we can. There are so many different factors that come into play. Um, you know, when we start talking about correlations and things that are related, um, you know, there may have been difficulties that were already there, and that these stressors uh, just, you know, was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And so, you know, anytime you add, you're adding stress, and this is definitely. Uh, a stressful time, and we're having to learn and adapt um, as this is unprecedented um, in, a, in our time. Um, I, I think that sometimes, you know, if there are already um, difficulties and relationship problems, that that can, um, you know, be the 
um, the 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 thing that makes it uh, very difficult to um, to heal and to um, not uh, separate during that point in time. Are there any examples as data is collected that there's abuse going on? You know, unfortunately, there there is. You know, when we see uh, there there's longstanding data related to uh, child abuse, um, spousal abuse. Um, during times of stress and financial difficulty, and that that again has been a long um, long supported uh, within the research that when there are financial difficulties and when there are added stressors and when there 's not that ability to to distance um, that it 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 does increase what about alcohol use, drug use, overeating as ways to cope? You know, um, I like to think about um, coping as we all have, uh, because I think we all have the the understanding of money. And I, the way I put it to my patients uh, is, is that we all have an emotional checking account. And, you know, there are things that we, you know, that come out of all of these stressors are coming out of our account, but what do we deposit in? And so whatever we're adding to our account, we need to definitely make sure that it's going to be beneficial to us. And some of those things can be beneficial in the short run. I liken it into having a cash advance maybe from a credit card um, like alcohol or, you know, overeating and those things. In the short term, they're beneficial because you have that resource. But in the long run, it can end up hurting you because you do have to pay that back in some way. And so whatever you do for coping, you know, I, I think it's important to think about, is this going to benefit me not only in the short run, but the long run as well? Dr. Molly Clark is a psychologist with the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thank you so much for some very good advice. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.